Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. If you can uh, open with me, turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 and um, verse 22. Are you doing good this morning? You're getting better. I want to welcome uh, everybody that's visiting for the first time. And uh, I'm I'm always so mindful that if if you're not familiar uh, with church and you haven't been to church before or you've been to perhaps a different style of church, coming in here can be a little bit daunting. And uh, and so we, uh, we want you to feel welcome. And uh, we want you to feel a part of our family. We want you to know that um, you don't have to believe before you belong. You belong straight away and are your family. And we love you and we're grateful to have you here. And uh, can we give it up, church, for all of our visitors, all of our new people. Thanks for being with us. We're going to look at a story and uh, I'm going to read it and then we're going to jump into this. Um, I'm not going to preach for long. Someone said, he always says that. Shut up, just be nice to me this morning. Um, And we're like 30 seconds in and I've already told you to shut up. Um, Please forgive me. Let's read Luke chapter 8. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake and they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. A windstorm came down on the lake and and they were filled with water and they were in great jeopardy. And he came to him. Uh, And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was calm. Then he turned and he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled saying to one one another, who can this be? For he commands even the wind and and the water and they obey him. They obey him. This is one of the stories in Scripture that I struggle with a little bit. And the reason why I struggle with it is when you look at the story and you look at what's going on in the story and you unpack it a little bit, I'm challenged because on the surface, it looks like the disciples are doing the right thing. Let's look at it for a second. You have the disciples, they're in a boat with Jesus Jesus is the one who created the oceans, the land, the waves, the wind. Jesus is asleep in the boat and a storm starts. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm a disciple and I'm in the boat and a storm starts and the one who created the oceans and the wind is in the boat That's the dude I'm going to. Would you not do it different? We would do that, wouldn't we? It would bother me that he's asleep, but that's okay. I'm going to give him that. So the disciples go to Jesus and say, Jesus, help us. You know, we're drowning. We're going to die. Jesus comes up and Jesus comes the storm. Right, that right there, as I see it, that's a great moment for a praise report. You know, that's a great moment to celebrate because as I see it, these disciples, have not they done 
exactly what we're supposed to do. Prayer is what? Prayer is what? Talking to God, okay? Who is Jesus? Dear Lord, I mean, guys. (laughs) Let's try that again. Who is Jesus? Okay, so the disciples are in a problem. They talk to God, so they pray about the problem. Jesus fixes the problem. What's wrong with this? What am I missing in the story? Jesus then looks at them and He says, where's your faith? I don't know about you, but I'll be mad. I'd be like, my faith? What are you talking about, bro? I mean, I might not call him bro, like. But I would be like, you tell us to pray. And I prayed and you answered the prayers. This is one of the stories that I think gives us a little bit of insight into how different God's ways are than our ways. And so... We know the verse in Isaiah that says, his ways are not my ways. And so what that does is it creates a somewhat of a problem because we identify and, and we can do it in this story, the gap between the way I would do things and the way God does things. And so whenever we find that gap, which very much exists, we then have a decision that we are faced with. And the decision is, am I going to lean in to learn His ways in an attempt to perhaps close the gap? That that really should be the goal of our life. And that's what it means to be more godly. That, that I don't want to just leave it. I don't want there to be this disconnect so much. I don't want there to be this gap always. There will always be somewhat of a gap because obviously He is the Creator and we are the created. But there is an opportunity for us to, as He says in His Scripture, draw near to Him and then He will draw near to us so then I can better align the way I do things with the way God does things. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ because I think my life would be a lot more simpler and a lot more enjoyable and I would experience a lot more breakthroughs if I always thought the way God thinks. But I don't. The problem is I often default to the way Ben thinks and the way Ben thinks sometimes is a mess and gets me in situations that I don't need to be in and responds the wrong way. So that's what I wanna do is I wanna learn his way of doing things and, and close the gap. And this, and this story gives us an opportunity to look into it a little bit more and ask that question, God, what is your way of doing things? Because maybe it's not as simple as you're the creator, I'm the created, I pray, you do it, job's done. Maybe it's not that simple because if it was that simple, Jesus wouldn't have accused them of not having faith. And so that's what I wanna look at today and next week. We're gonna talk about just real simply his ways, his ways. 
Because in Scripture, in Hosea, it says a powerful verse. Hosea says that my people perish. It doesn't say my people perish because of sin. It doesn't say my people perish because the enemy's so big, bad and ugly. It doesn't say my people perish because of challenges or because of doubt or because of unbelief. It says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So there is something powerful when you learn more about God's ways. When you learn more and you understand more about God's ways, it actually equips you better to get through life. Because when you're filtering things that you're experiencing through your ways, sometimes those things can look bigger than your God. But when I see things through God's way of doing things and His perspective, I will march through every single challenge and not miss a beat because I'm with a revelation of how great my God is and the way He works. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about God's ways. So I want you to write down a couple of things that I'm taking out of this story that I want you to understand in relation to the way God works. And I know we're talking about God, so it's a very complex thing and it's very layered, but I'm going to try and simplify it to a couple of just key things for you today. Because the goal is to adjust our ways. I don't want to be set in my ways. How many know it can be easy to get set in your ways? If, if you think you're not set in your ways, ask your spouse. They will remind you that you are set in your ways. And for me, it's not that I'm set in my ways necessarily because I think that my way is right. It's just that my way is often what I'm used to. And the challenge that I face in changing my ways is the unfamiliarity that I feel in embracing a new way. But that's the key to it, is the unfamiliarity causes me to have a deeper level of faith because I don't know what I'm doing. Because I'm not doing it my way, I'm doing it His way. And that's what we're going to talk about. I want you to see in this story what's happening and, and, and I want you to understand what Jesus' heart was for this situation or Jesus' heart if you like that better, <laughs> shut up. In the story, the disciples face a problem and they go to Jesus. You've heard me say before that God doesn't want to just do things for us. He wants to do things with us. But this story shows us that his heart is actually to go one step further, that he doesn't just want to do things with you. He actually wants to do things through you. That was what Jesus wanted of the disciples. He wanted to know, do the disciples, he knew they had the faith that God could do it. But he also knew that they didn't have the faith that God could do it through them. And to be honest with you, that's where I get stuck more often than not. It's not that I don't believe that God can do it. It's that I don't believe often that God can do it through me because I know how screwed up I am. I know the mistakes I've made. I know the battles that I face. I know my doubts. I know my insecurities. I know my fears. I know my issues. And often when it comes to believing for God to do something powerful, I find it difficult 
to believe that he could do something powerful through this. And so the thing that I want you to write down when it comes to God's ways is I want to talk about the role that I play, the role that you play. He wants to do things through you. You play an incredibly significant role when it comes to what God wants to do. This was what he was trying to get the disciples to understand. And too often we live this uh, the war, our walk with God so transactionally where we sit back and we think, if I do this and then I do that, then you will do that. And, and we see the two parties as being somewhat separate, that, that I'm here and you're there and the problem's here and your job is to fix it. And, and it's almost like if, if I do this, then you will do that. We treat God almost like he's this vending machine. Whereas if I push the quarters in and I do the prayer and I read the Bible and then I select what breakthrough I want, if God's in a good mood, then he'll give it to me. But do you realise how unrelational that is? That he's not sitting back waiting for us to do certain things before he gets involved. He's inviting us forward to a relationship with Him where we begin to learn the way He does things and we begin to pray and we begin to ask Him and He gives us answers and asks us to step out and do certain things so that we can see what God's will is for a situation and we can see it come manifest through us and through our faith. You play a role. That you are significant when it comes to the way in which God does things and, and your past mistakes and even your present issues do not cancel out the purpose of God for your life. Because if they did, and if you hold back in believing that God can do something through you, essentially you are saying that your issues are more powerful than your God. You have to believe and understand this is where the grace of God is so powerful. And yes, it's important to remain humble in it, but you cannot sideline yourself based on the knowledge of your issues that you have. Your knowledge of your God has got to supersede the knowledge you have of your issues and your problems and your challenges and your doubts and unbelief. And you recognise, God, I'm messed up. I've got these issues, but I still believe that you wanna use me and do something through me and I'm thankful for your grace and here I am, I know I play a role in this. But it requires, often for many of us, that requires a greater level of faith. Because like I said, I believe God can do it, but I struggle at times to believe that He can do it through me. And when I step out, in obedience to God and say, God, could you use me? It requires a greater level of faith from me. But it's so 
intentional the way He has orchestrated it and the way that His ways are outworked in in this world and the perfect will of God is outworked through unperfect and messed up people. It's, It's so powerful because what it does is it keeps me close to the source of my strength when I'm very mindful of the issues and insecurities I have and the plan that God wants to work through my life. I know that I cannot afford to get a gap between me and Him. I've got to stay close lest I start doing things in my own strength and this whole thing falls apart. And often we feel, it makes us feel, we feel it's almost like this false humility where we're like, oh, you know, I'm just not good enough. And I'm just, it's actually not humility. It's actually the height of pride because you are focusing on yourself and not your God. The ultimate humility is actually to come to God broken and saying, God, use me. As messed up as I am, use me. Because often what we are motivated for and or what motivates us sometimes to sort of get right or fix ourselves is so that we can then try and do things on our own, in our own strength, and then pat ourselves on the back saying how great we did or wait for somebody else to pat ourselves on the back. But God's ways don't become apparent in our life through that. It's only by the grace of God. That's why all through Scripture, He used some of the most messed up, screwed up people that if they walked in this room today, you wouldn't want to sit next to them. But we read about them and we're inspired by their stories. So what makes you any different to them? You play a role when it comes to God's ways. The other thing that you need to be reminded of is not only the role that you play, but also the power that you have. It's one step further. It's not just that you play a role. It's not just that you're there to just sort of, God's just going to just sort of do it through you and it's just going to be so-so. No, You need to be reminded that that you, you carry power in your life. And I know many of you this morning, even as I say that, you don't feel that because you don't feel powerful. But taking something by faith is not taking something based on what you feel. It's taking something based on what God says. And the Word of God says that you're powerful. You would speak different if you knew how much power there was in your words. We were created, we were designed by God to have dominion. Do you know what it means to have dominion? It means to actually have power. This is what we were created for. Every single human being that was created, saved or unsaved, We are all born with this innate desire within us for power. You see it at work. You see it at work in society. More often than not, if you go ahead and you look at all of the different spheres in society and relationships, all the way from politics to families to education to kids to children, you look at it and more often than not, the biggest issues that we face, if you look down at the root of it, you will find that there is a radical power struggle within the heart of every single human being by the way of we want more power. We want more power. I see it in my kids. My kids are 
four and I had to think about four and five. I'm looking at their ground foot. Yeah, that's right. I see it in, in my daughter, Leah. She does not want to be told what to do. She's going through this phase right now where she has to pick out every single morning what she's going to wear. Now, I, for the most part, unless it's something like you know, inappropriate, I, but I, I let her do it because I, I think it's important for her to learn what it is to make her own decisions. But you try and tell a two or three-year-old that they cannot do something. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Isn't it interesting that the same wrestle that we see in a two or three-year-old in our house is the same wrestle that we see in grown adults in every sphere of society from politics to education to families in our marriages. Often what it is is we don't want anybody to take away our power. You want to see someone get triggered? Try and take their power. And why is that? If you look at it, you'll see it more and more. And so I began to think, I think, why is that? Because when God created Adam, he said to Adam, I'm giving you dominion. So it's ingrained within all of us. You think about, if you want to unpack how prevalent it is, not just in our culture, but in Scripture, I want you to think about the reason why Satan fell in the first place was because Satan wanted more power. What then did Satan tempt Eve with? Satan tempted Eve to try and get more power. And then when the serpent came, when, when, when Satan came, I'm sorry, to Jesus in the desert, it was a temptation of Jesus in relation to his power. In fact, the third thing that Satan tried to tempt Jesus with was to actually surrender his power. You see it all through Scripture. And so you identify and can identify that deep within each and every one of us, we were created to have dominion that would build the kingdom of God. And so there is this desire within each and every one of us. And if you are designed and created to do something for a very specific intentional purpose and you are not doing it, then there is a void within you. And the enemy always capitalises on open, empty spaces. And so what the enemy tries to do is he sees this desire in mankind to take dominion for the kingdom of God and he comes and he pollutes that desire and turns what was a godly desire built in us to build the kingdom and he turns it into a polluted, ungodly control focused on building ourselves. And this is why it's so important for each and every one of us as believers to fully understand that we were created to take dominion and we were given power to build the kingdom. Because if you do not operate in that capacity, you are more susceptible to the enemy because he will come and then bring a dysfunctional desire for power into your life. So the best thing that you can do is recognise that God has called you to not stay, but to go. This was what the Great Commission was. He said, all authority, all power is given unto me. Therefore, what? 
Say it louder like you're awake. Therefore, you were created to go. You were created to do something. You were created to take dominion. You were created to take land. You were created to pull down walls, to get victories, to get breakthroughs, to advance, to pursue, to build the kingdom, to build. You were not created to stay and sit in church and just do nothing and pray and then God will do fairy dust to get it all done for you. No, there is a mandate on your life that nobody else has and it's to do something unique and something special and something so intentional to build the kingdom, but you're not going to do it until you recognise that you have power. Say it out of your mouth, I have power. Say it like you believe it, I have power. Say it like you're gonna start talking differently this week out of your mouth because you know that the power of life and death is in your tongue and you decide what you're gonna declare over your home, over your life, over your situation because you've got power. John 10.10, we know, we see the enemy's plan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Have you ever wondered what is he trying to steal? These were the words of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't just say things. We summarise that verse and we just summarise it like, you know, the enemy's a jerk and he's out to kill us. I mean, it's true, but there's more to it. What do you think the enemy's trying to steal? Could it be that the enemy's trying to steal the same thing that he tried to steal from God in heaven? the same thing that he stole from Eve in the garden and the same thing he came after Jesus in the desert, that the enemies may be trying to steal your power. To steal, to kill and to destroy. Do you know what the word destroy means? If you look it up in its original context, the word destroy means to render useless. You know what the plan is for the church? The enemy's plan is for the church today is to render God's church useless. And you know how he makes us useless? By deeming us powerless. Because when we are powerless, we may as well be a Boy Scout club that gathers on a Sunday. Because if the church does not carry power, if our worship does not carry power, you may as well be at a Coldplay concert. You'll feel good in there too. And I'm not bashing Coldplay, I love it, but I'm just telling you, sometimes I go through things in my life where I need to sing something more powerful than fix you. Sometimes I go through things in my life where I need to know that there's a song that I can declare that's made up of God's Word. And when I sing it, I'm not gonna feel goosebumps. I'm gonna know that the power of God is present to change my mind, shift my perspective and leave me leaving church with some sense of victory. That's what separates us. That's what separates us. Otherwise, we may as well just gather and hug each other and read a couple little Psalms and leave different. We have to have the power of God. We have to recognise that it's in us. It wants to flow through us, but it's not because so often we don't believe that we are powerful. Do you believe? Do you really believe that you're powerful? Do you believe that when you lay hands on people, that the power of Almighty God moves through your body 
and touches that person. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when you walk through your home and you declare the name of Jesus, that you're not just doing spooky things, that you believe that that name Jesus, upon the mention of that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Do you believe that when you declare it and when you pray and when you speak things, that's what the enemy's after. That's why, listen, that's why you're coming under attack in your life. The enemy doesn't want your money. He wants your power. And he knows the way the world works. Because if he can get your money, it reduces your power. And if you've made a decision that you're going to use your money to build the kingdom, guess what? The enemy's just come after your finances and he's just impacted the kingdom. That's, that's why you Do you know why your kids come under attack, parents? Because Psalms tells us, listen to these words, listen to this in regard to your kids, those snotty little pimple-faced brats that drive you nuts. Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 127 verse four, that your kids are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. You know why the enemy's coming for your kids? Because those little punks are powerful. They just don't know it yet. So don't give up on them because they're working on their testimony. And that little joker's about to advance the Kingdom of God and God is about to use them and God hasn't given up on them. So don't you do it either. Make a decision to declare that I'm powerful. I'm powerful. There is power. That's why the enemy comes after marriages because you know what marriages are? It's not just two people just seeing Kumbaya and a couple little date nights. No, no, no. Marriages are powerful. Powerful. One put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten. And the enemy doesn't want that. And he knows how powerful it is. He knows how powerful that is as a foundation for the lives of the arrows that will come. And he knows the power of the nuclear family. That's why he's trying to attack it so much in culture today. The enemy doesn't care if people are divorced or separated or sleep around or kids. The enemy doesn't care. He's got bigger fish to fry. What he's trying to do, he's, he is trying to tear up part, the unit that God has created to usher in the anointing and the authority that produces power. Where there is what? Where there is unity, right? God commands a blessing. The word, if you look at it and in you, if you unpack what they're talking about, that word unity in Psalms 133, it is. The word unity, it means it's speaking of a unit or a structure or a system, that's what the family is, that God has ordained and God has created, okay? That's what the family is, okay? That's what marriage is, husband and wife, man and woman as the foundation. Then as the kids are added, it becomes a unit, a system. And the verse goes on to say that that system, it says God will anoint, it says that unity, it says it is like the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron. So when something, a structure like that is kept in its right God-ordained form, it becomes as a, by, by default, it becomes anointed. 
It, it just becomes anointed. And anything that is anointed has authority and anything that has authority produces power. And that's what we are up against in our culture today. And if we as the church do not recognise it, we will miss the boat and we will lose the next generation and marriage will be completely redefined. And it's not about hating on people. I'm all about the lost. I'm all about the unsaved. But I am also all about not deviating from God's Word and God's plan because this thing is not just a cool idea. It is powerful for what God wants to do in the world world today and that is to build His Kingdom, is to build His Kingdom. So we love people, we love everybody and we welcome them and we bring them in and we love upon them and we don't judge and we wrap our arms around them because it's the kindness and goodness that brings people to repentance and we take them on the journey. But where is the journey to? The journey doesn't just go around in circles. Hey, I love you, I love you, I love you, you're awesome, you're awesome. You're not helping them. You don't love them if you're not taking them to His Word. That's the goal. That's the goal. Otherwise, we will just love people all the way to hell. And I'm called to love them to heaven. And when they know we love them, their heart opens to the truth because the truth of God's Word has to be revealed and then it's got to be received. The last thing I want you to write down, and this one, and I'll do it quick. This is the most important thing that you have. I want you to listen to me. Because this ties so great into power. Do you know that the most powerful thing that you have is not the Holy Spirit? The most powerful thing that you have as a believer is not the blood of Jesus. It's not the cross. It's not prayer. It's not anointing. It's not worship. Do you wanna know the most powerful thing that you have is the ability to make a choice. Because it's only the power of the cross of Jesus Christ is only released when somebody makes a choice. And, and, and the power of the cross, there are people right now, perhaps in this service, I know walking around outside that have never made a choice to receive Jesus. Therefore, they are not walking in the power of the cross. The most powerful thing that you have in your possession, more powerful than anything else in heaven and on earth, is the power to simply make a choice. Do you know how powerful it is when you as a believer just Tell the devil, no. Do you, do you know how powerful that is? And you think it's nothing. But I built up to this moment like this for a reason. Because if you're reminded that you play a role and you're reminded that you have power, you'll understand that when you say 
no to the devil. When you say no to that temptation, when you say no to stepping outside of God's Word, the power of God, heaven will back your no. Because His Word says, I've given you the keys, right? Keys are authority. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. Then he goes on, he says this. This makes me so happy if it doesn't make you happy. Listen, again, the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will then be bound in heaven. Which means when you say no on earth, I feel good, I feel good. I'm gonna listen to it later and I'm gonna amen myself. When you say no to the devil on earth, heaven will back your no. And you will unleash all of heaven against whatever it is you're facing just through the power of a choice to say no. And when you say yes, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you lose on earth, lose. you know what, when you say yes, Many of you are sitting here today because you said yes to Jesus. And when you said yes to Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, where one drop of it sent every devil in hell packing. Listen, listen, that power, that power, when you say yes, is activated and released over your life. And the enemy doesn't have any power over you anymore. Why? Because you made one choice to say yes. You can change the direction of your life. You guide your whole entire life based on the choices you make. You're here this morning because of choice. You're married to the person you're married to because of a choice. You have those kids, hopefully because of a choice. You have the job you have because of a choice. Every single, the guide, the direction that your life heads is based upon choices. It's the most powerful thing that you have in your life. So, this is the way God's works. Is God gives us this world. He positions us in it. He gives us the guidelines. And He says, okay, now what do you want? And then we have the power to choose. And know this, that we live with the consequences of what we choose, don't we? But for some of you, you have to be reminded of the power that backs every choice you make when you make a choice founded in God's Word. That when you just make a decision to say, devil, no, I'm done. I'm not doing that. The Garden of Eden situation would have gone a lot different if Eve had just said, you know what? No, we're not doing this. You don't have to get into a conversation. You don't have to get into a fight. You don't fight the devil. Why would you fight something that's already been beat? Don't waste your breath. It's not, it's not worth a fight. It's, it's instructing him 
of his rightful place and putting him back there. And you do that by simply saying, no, I'm done with you. I'm done with you over my family. I'm done with you over my kids. I'm done with you over my church. I'm done with you over my mind. I'm done with you over my finances. I'm done with you over this region. I'm done with you over this state. No, 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 no. Some of you need to go home today and walk in every single room in your house and just say, no, don't pray, don't pray. Just walk in there, put a little, get a little, olive oil or is it wearing OC? Let's get coconut oil and, and walk in that room and don't pray. Just walk in there and just go, no, no, no. I feel God already. I feel the anointing. I'm telling you, when you just start walking around, go up to your kids' pillows. I did it this morning and put a little coconut oil on their pillow and go, no, 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 because God knows what they need and God knows what the enemy's trying to bring and you let the Holy Spirit go on your behalf, but you will release the power of the Holy Spirit in and through your life simply by a decision to just tell the devil, no, you are done. I'm not doing this no more. Your day is over. I'm saying no to you and I'm saying yes to Jesus. I want you to give Him praise like you know that there's power in what you choose and you can choose life or death, blessing or cursing and you can make that choice right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.